0: All right. The fight
1: over the weekend ends with Canelo in a decision, a controversial decision by some. Jim Lampley joins Woo-hoo! us right now to talk about it. Lamps, good morning. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Good.
1: Fantastic. So, what about the decision okay. itself? Let's start right there. there. You know, a lot of noise about the decision. Was it controversial in your estimation?
0: These fights are impossible to score. Uh, I mean, you have a convergence of styles between these two fighters, which is unique uh, for this particular era in the sense that they complement each other. They provide a canvas for each other to show what they can do best. And so you have uh, very close rounds where you'll see a 15 or 20 second surge by one fighter and the other fighter fights back. And uh, and answers that with a, a surge of his own. And every round becomes a seesaw battle up and down. I, I, I think Right now, Canelo's got him going up. Look at Gennady now. Here he comes back. And this happens over and over through the course of the fight. And it's abundantly clear that they could fight a half dozen times, and it's going to be difficult every single time to try to sort out who won a round, much less who won the fight. So it's an almost impossible enterprise to to try to choose between the two of them. And uh, it's my gut sense I'm going to have to look back at the fight probably more than once to try to develop some clear picture as to who I think ought to have been the winner. But my gut sense is um, I'm not certain how two judges could have given the 12th round to Canelo. It appeared to me that Golovkin, who was surging at that point in the fight, uh, was the winner of the 12th round. And if those two judges had given the 12th round to Golovkin, we would have had a draw. And I kind of feel as though a draw was the logical result, the right result from uh, the other night. Last year was a distortion because of the Adelaide bird scorecard that distracted people and drew a lot of attention away from uh, the other two judges. But the other two judges were 15-13 and 14-14, same thing as the other night. And like I say, I think they could fight a half dozen times and it's never going to be easy to separate between the two.
1: How you doing, Jim? What's happening, man?
0: I'm all right, Keyshawn. How are you?
1: I'm good, good, good. Not bad. You recovering from uh, Vegas?
0: Uh, Vegas is an easy enterprise for me. Hotel, media room, <laughs> ringside, <laughs> nothing else to it at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the, Whatever else is going on out there, I'm not aware. So uh, <laughs> you,
2: know you read it in the paper the night after. Is that yeah, what tell no. me
1: so tell me, uh, Jim, does Triple G have to knock him out in order to win the fight? Is that what has to happen? I, I do think that it's
0: difficult for Eastern European fighters to to get what they think is a fair shake uh, from American judges in in a setting like that. Uh, I wouldn't blame uh, Gennady Golovkin, just as I would not blame Sergey Kovalev after the first Andre Ward fight for saying it's not possible for me to get a fair shake in that environment. However, there is a cultural disconnect that shows up in both instances, and and I think this has to do with the, uh, the difference in cultural momentum that leads to when you turn pro, how you turn pro, et cetera, et cetera. Both Kovalev and especially Glovkin had exceptionally long amateur careers. Golovkin had 350 amateur fights. And, and when you have 350 amateur fights fighting in the Eastern European system, you are schooled to punch to the head because inexperienced judges as most amateur boxing judges tend to be sitting at ringside all around the world they can't be trained very well to see body punches they focus on what they see most easily and what they see most easily is punches to the head and in in the rough going of a close fight kovalev wouldn't throw enough to the body ward beat him by punching him to the body And if there's a difference between Canelo and Triple G that operates in Canelo's favor, it is body punching. The single most glaring statistic in the fight the other night, the one that I think most penalizes Gennady, is that after landing only eight body punches a year ago, he only landed six by CompuBox the other night. And Canelo landed 46 body punches. And any fighter alive, I guarantee you, you can go into a gym and ask, 90% of fighters, it's remarkable the unanimity. They will tell you that body punches hurt more than head punches. Body punches take more out of you than head punches. And as Mike Tyson told us, it's a hurt business. If there's a difference between these two fighters, and that's a difference that shows up on the scorecards, particularly with sophisticated judges, good judges like the other night, it is that Canelo throws body punches and Gennady does
2: Boxing legend Jim Lampley here with us. Actually, more than just boxing legend, just legend, legend. You cover so <laughs> many incredible th- events, sporting events over the decades. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you remember, but I was jokingly asking you about why the uh, Mexican is not particularly good at Mexican fight style fighting. Did he fight Mexican style on Saturday Night Canelo? That is.
0: Well, uh, Abel Sanchez, an ID's trainer, became the public social media prod for uh, his side and trying to goad Canelo into fighting the wrong fight and spent months on social media saying, you know, don't go backward, go forward, don't run away from us, fight a Mexican-style fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this is another thing that operates in Canelo's favor within the narrative, because he listened to that, and he came into the ring, and he went forward, and he pressured uh, uh, Golovkin, and he clearly... Glovkin and surprised him in the first six rounds of the fight, edging forward, staying in the center ring, putting the pressure on Golovkin, making Gennady fight more than he expected to have to fight uh, in that circumstance. And I think that was a piece of competitive genius, as it turned out on Canelo's part, because at the end of the day, if there's one asset, they both have in enormous abundance in comparison to other great fighters that you'll see. These may be the two best chins I've ever seen in the ring Mm. against each other. I mean, the number of solid shots that these guys land, and they are both big-time punchers. And Canelo, I think, was actually hurt in the 10th round, but that's the first time I've seen either one of them hurt against each other. Generally speaking, in 24 rounds, neither guy has really gotten badly hurt. Uh, and and that's unbelievable, because they are colossal punchers. They are both landing solid shots over and over and over. So I sit there simply in awe of their chins. And I mentioned it during the call of the fight, and uh, my colleagues were right there with me on that subject. You just don't see it, the ability to take punishment that both of these guys demonstrated.
1: Jim Lampley of HBO Boxing joining us here on Keyshawn, LZ, and Travis. Jim, when will we see round, or not round three, fight three? When is that coming to us?
0: Well, everybody's going to assume that there'll be a third fight. And, and of course, economic logic almost always dictates that there'll be a third fight. There are only three fighters in the history of boxing who have ever walked away from a guaranteed eight-figure payday. And their names are Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Lennox Lewis, and for the time being, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, all three of those guys walked away from a guaranteed eight-figure payday and didn't come back. I think we may be about to see the fourth one because I'm not sure Triple G wants to go through this again. Uh, he showed signs over the weekend that that he may be just basically emotionally done uh, with this rivalry, and he's already made a great deal more money than you know growing up in Kazakhstan. And, Being forced to fight on the streets, he would ever have expected uh, to be able to make. So I think there's there's a possibility that Golovkin is going to become the fourth guy to walk away from a guaranteed eight figure payday. But if he doesn't, if he does the the natural expected common thing, then sometime eight months, maybe a year from now, somewhere down the road, we're going to see
1: a third fight. Jim Lampley joining us, Jim. Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao. Floyd said that he that he's willing to take that fight. Is there interest in that? I mean, whether or not they'll make money, but is that a fight that anybody needs to see?
0: I just went to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I I, I really I just I nodded off there. I I, I didn't even hear what you said. Uh, I know that there were some names involved in your sentence, etc. But you know, my level of interest went completely off the diving board during that sentence. Mm.
2: <laughs> There
0: is a there is a I mean, legitimate who, fight happening. Who needs to see it again? I called the first fight, guys. I was the blow by blow voice of Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. I could have told you for eight years in advance what was going to happen. Mm. I mean, there was no way there was going to be combat in that fight. That is not about combat. Uh, so, why in the world anybody would want to see it again? I have no idea.
2: Wilder Anthony Joshua. I know you're going to go over to London this weekend, right, to see Anthony Joshua fight.
0: I think I'll watch it through a periscope here in uh, Southern California. <laughs> okay, but, uh, I'm, I'm always interested in Anthony Joshua. I think he's mesmerizing. He's a spectacular personality. He's an amazing fighter. Uh, you know, I think he, he probably makes fairly short work of Alexander Povetkin, but we'll see. Povetkin has some boxing skills and might be able to give him some trouble.
2: So are we going to see Wilder and Joshua fight?
0: There's no way we don't. I mean, the... the, the, the that those two guys can make together uh, the intensity of the emotional demand, barring some enormous upset along the way. I will say this. If Wilder chooses to go fight Tyson Fury uh, before he gets into the ring with Anthony Joshua, he's taking a chance because you never know which Fury is going to show up. But if a sober, conditioned, his game, Tyson Fury shows up, it could be a real problem. Uh, for Deontay Wilder. I'd be very, very careful uh, picking that fight before getting the money to fight Anthony Joshua.
1: Jim, before I let you go, uh, for all the LA fans that's listening, best pound-for-pound pound fighter right now?
0: Uh, Vasily Lomachenko, by by a tiny margin over uh, Terrence Crawford. They're the two best fighters in the world. They both have amazing skills. They both are uh, dominant against anybody they fight. Uh, I, I'm not sure who's out there on the horizon uh, who could beat Vasily Lomachenko. I do know that uh, at some point in the welterweight division there might be an extraordinary fight between Terence Crawford and Errol Spence, and that's Leonard. It's going to be very difficult to uh, to choose uh, between those two fighters. But you know, I talked about the the body punching deficiency for Golovkin and and the other. European fighters like Sergey Kovalev. If you want to find a decent European fighter who knows how to use body punches and throws a lot of them, that's Vasily Lomachenko. And that's why he's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Mm.
1: Jim Lampley, HBO Boxing. Always a pleasure, Jim. Woo! Thank you very much.
0: Talk to you later. All right, big Jim. Thank you
1: you got it. guys. I know Jim for Wild World of Sports. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: why I said I was saying boxing legend. I was like going, no, just legend. Jim, Jim used to do no, wild
1: sports. First ever sideline reporter. Jim. Jim's been doing how first long? ever, anything forever. Is, as long as I've been watching first. TV, I'm 46.
2: He's got to been 50 yeah. some years of doing this, huh? If you can still say you're first in something in this business, yeah, that's saying something.
1: That's doing it.